Remember our prayer meetings at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. Be sure to think that's the most important time we have is the time we get together as a body and pray and, and seek His face. So I just want to remind you and encourage you. That's where the Lord's going to touch our country, I believe. That's where the Lord's going to bring the revival and things even to our own hearts that we're desiring. It's going to come out of those prayer meetings. I believe that. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And read with me, if you would, verses 12 through 15. Ephesians 4, 12 through 15. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now this, this is going to be our passage today. We are doing a series, and this will be our last message in this series. Not the last time I'll ever talk about deception, but this is the last message in this series on truth versus deception and end times deceptions and, that and so forth. But we see a clear contrast here in Ephesians to the church between being children, okay, that we henceforth, verse 14, be no more children who are tossed and they're characterized by being children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's these deceivers that are waiting to, to deceive. There's a contrast between the children who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the ones who speak in the truth and love may grow up in Christ and come to this place of maturity and fullness. Now this is a very key instruction from the Word of God for every believer. It's not just for... Uh, you know, for, for a certain group of people to speak the truth in love. The Bible says that wherefore putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. For we are, we are members one of another. And so, uh, there, there, this has nothing to do, it talks about being a child. Okay, but henceforth be no more children. It has nothing to do with our physical age. You understand that. You can have somebody that's this uh, older person that's spiritually immature. And at no point in our lives, even as a new believer, we ought to quickly be growing. I don't think that at any point we should really be characterized, characterized as being immature in the faith. Even when we're just born again, we're just born again. We're babes, so to speak. But we can quickly grow. This is almost like a rebuke that you henceforth be no more children and he characterizes the children. What characterizes that group of believers, they are believers, is that they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're tossed to and fro. You ever seen, uh, I mean, we've been to the ocean before. We've seen big waves and, and uh, it's a very powerful thing. And it can just toy with, I mean, waves are, can toy with a big ship. They're powerful. It can toss the ship around. They can toss you and me around. If we've been out swimming in big waves before and we say, I think I need to get out of here. This is a little too rough. Because it's like you're, you're nothing. 
the, the power. Well, he says these children, don't henceforth that we be no more children tossed to and fro. That's kind of how I picture it. Just somebody knocking you around. A big wave knocking you around. You have no control. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And, and so that the child has to do with an instability, unstable, ungrounded in right doctrine. Uh, spiritually immature is what we're talking about here. They're deceived and they're embracing. Not just hearing false doctrine. We all hear false doctrine. These are embracing false doctrine. They're giving heed to it. They're pulling up a chair and sitting down and saying, well, maybe so. And that's when we start saying maybe so to something that God's Word says I have not said, okay, then we're setting ourselves up for deception. We can be saved and do that. So he can be a child of God, but he doesn't want us to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, you don't have to turn there, in 12, it says that, that uh, Paul says, I have a lot of deep things to tell you people, but you can't handle them because you're babes in Christ. It was not a, a, com a compliment. They were in Christ, but you're children, and I'm happy to give you milk instead of strong meat. You should be able to take strong meat by now. You should be at this point of your Christianity, be able to take strong meat, live by it, and actually teach it to others. Start serving God. Start doing something with strong meat. But I'm having to come back again and again, Paul's saying, to this group of believers, and I'm having to give you milk. You are children of God. I'm having to feed you in a baby bottle milk, when you, the milk of the Word, when you ought to be going to the meat of the Word by now. Okay, so it's not a compliment. They are, they are saved, praise God. But that's not a place where we want to remain. You, you would see, the Bible tells us that. Speaking the truth in love, that we would grow up. The Lord wants us to move on. There is a fullness of, of Christ that the Scriptures speak about. speak about. There is a perfect man. Not perfect in the sense of sinless, or perfect like perfect, in the sense that we think of Jesus being perfect. Perfect here means mature or complete. There is a place of maturity and growth in a believer's life where we can be where we should be in our walk with God. In our relationship with Him, and our holiness, and our knowledge of God, our understanding of the Word, and our victory over sin that we're walking in, there should be a place where we reach, and then we reach the next and the next. And that there is, what are we, what are we ultimately going to be? Like the Lord, right? Safe to sin no more. When we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Between here and there, we ought to be becoming that. Final change will take place at the rapture of His church. But no doubt the Scriptures tell the believer, are you saved? You're in Christ. It's not a question anymore for your life. You've trusted Jesus. But there are some questions in your life. It's time for you to move on. Let's go on now. Let's leave those things that are behind, forgetting those things that are behind, press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, and, and move on. Okay? This is what he's telling us here. Born again people are to speak the truth in love. Again, that's not just pastors. This is every man put away lying. Every man speak the truth to his neighbors. That's Ephesians 5.24. So it's not just for every older saints or the pastors. It's for everyone that's born of the Spirit of God. It is a requirement. It is a calling upon our lives. It's one or the, or the other. We're going to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine where people are waiting to deceive us. How many of you know there are people waiting to deceive? That's what it says. 
They, they're guile. They're, they're filled with guile and subtlety and craftiness. That's what the Bible says. But we don't have to be that. We can be that. The child is the one who's not speaking the truth in love, not grounded in sound doctrine, and they're just kind of all over the place. And they can easily be buffeted. They can easily be knocked from, I really believe this, and they can be knocked over to not believe in that anymore, or not believe in it soundly anymore. And that's a child in the faith. And we're not to be children like that. There's one or the other. You're going to speak the truth in love, grow up in Him, or you're going to be a child tossed to, to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's the contrast that's here in this passage. And I want to get right to it today. I just want to dive right in, okay? Here's, here's what you hear, and I've said it myself. This is the thought. If I speak the truth, if I speak the truth to that person, they may get offended. If I speak the truth to that person, they may stop being my friend. If I speak the truth to them, they may reject me. If I speak the truth to that person, it may cost me dearly. It may cost me and cost my family. And I would simply say to myself and to you as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have to decide who we're serving. We need to decide that now. We need to decide that early on. Am I seeking to please men? We talked about this last week. Or am I seeking to please God? You cannot please both. You can please God and love men, but you're going to please one God. Okay? Paul said, if I now seek, in other words, that's my motive. If I seek to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Galatians chapter 1. Okay? So, all those thoughts about... If, if, I tell, if I go to my friend and tell him the truth from God's Word, they may reject me. Well, we just have to decide early on. Okay? Decide it now. Decide it early on and don't wrestle with it anymore. Okay? Who, who am I serving? And I want you to turn with me. We're going to go back to Ephesians, but I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 20. And I want to ask Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you think about it? Okay, what do you think about tell, speaking the truth and, and love to people? Maybe you'd get rejected. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll skip down. Jeremiah 21 and 2. Now, Pastor, the son of Emmer, the priest. Okay, this is a priest in Jeremiah's day, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Jeremiah was prophesying the truth. Okay? He was prophesying he was a true prophet of God. Then Pastor smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks as like in prison that were in the high gate of Benjamin which was by the house of the Lord. Skip down to verse 7. Jeremiah's having a hard time with this. He's doing the right thing and he's thrown in prison. Okay, and rejected. O oh Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and have, have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. Did it cost them something to speak the truth and love? For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence is spoiled, because the word of the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. 
and I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. In other words, I had to, I had to speak. I had to speak what God put in my heart. Verse 11, But the Lord is with me, a mighty terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. I would say, Jeremiah, what of it? Did you weigh it? Was, it? was it worth it to you? Did it cost you something to speak the truth? You could pick any prophet of God. They were stoned. They were stoned. They were, they were killed. Jeremiah was rejected and thrown in prison by men. Yes, it does cost. And I will tell you this. It does cost to speak the truth in love. So get it settled in your heart and in your mind right now. It will cost you. It costs something. It can be very costly, but it cannot tell you that it's not too costly. What I mean by that is that the Lord is worth it. It will cost you and I, you and me, something to speak the truth in love to a lost man. It may cost you at work. It may cost you if you're a professor at LSU and you don't believe evolution. You believe the account, gospel, Bible account of creation and you're in the science department or in any department. It may cost you to speak the truth in love to a lost person. Can I tell you, I think sometimes it's even more costly to speak the truth in love to someone in the church. To someone that should know and you go to them in love. It's, but can I tell you, it's not too costly. It's worth it because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is worth it. It's our calling. It's our instruction from the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It is for our sakes. Because for me to open my mouth as God directs me, not just out of control, led by the Spirit, for me to open my mouth and speak the truth and love to another person in the church that may be in error, deception, or out of the church is going to cost me something, but it's for my sake. I know I've shared this before. I'll share it again. Brother Clinton used to say, you better testify of what the Lord's done in your life or there'll come a day you don't believe it yourself. There's a time we have to open up our mouth and say, God saved me. God is this to me today. God is, can be this to you. You open your mouth and you speak it to others. It is for our sakes. It is also for the sakes of the one you're speaking to. Because how beautiful are the feet of them that bring this gospel of good news to others. The lost men and the saved men that may be erring from the truth. Okay, It is for their sakes that we speak to. And most of all, it is for God's sake. Because He's called us to it. It is for the glory of Almighty God. And we have to be surrendered to our Lord's purpose, to His heart, to His mind. We have to be lined up. This is really the difficulty, right? And Christianity is lining my will and my heart up with God's. His doesn't change. His is perfect. I can be all over the map. No, I don't like this. I kind of like that. I want to do this. And, and to line ourselves up, bam, with the Lord. Okay? Thus saith the Lord. Here is the way. Walk ye in it. And speak into my heart to where my heart becomes His heart. I feel about sin the way He feels about it. I feel about lost people the way He loves them and wants them to be saved. I feel about His body the way He loves His body. I feel about His Word the way He says. And I line myself up. And through my personal obedience to Christ and through my words that I speak and everything, I'm surrendered to Him. Jeremiah was surrendered to the Lord. It cost him dearly, but he also said, the Lord's with me. 
a mighty terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors are going to stumble and fall. In the end, whenever I'm out of this prison, if I die in this prison, I'm not going to stay in this prison forever. When it's over, my persecutors are going to stumble and fall because they're God's persecutors and they're His enemies and I'm lined up with the Lord. And though it's costing me dearly, I'm speaking the truth in love, but God's with me. God's with me. And we need to know that. We need to know that about the Lord that a couple of things we need to know about the Lord is that He knows what's best. And if He says that we're to not be children, but instead speak the truth in love and grow up, then He knows what He's talking about. I need to know that He knows what He's talking about and that He knows what's best for me in order for me to grow. And he knows what's best for others. The word that they need to hear and He can send us to speak it to them whether they accept it or, or whether they reject it. But He's sending us to them. And I think that uh, the only reason, y'all, that we would fail to speak the truth in love when I start examining my own life is that we would either hesitate to do it. Have you ever hesitated? Whether it's witnessing to somebody, and I'm thinking even more along the lines of speaking to a brother and sister in Christ that is erring. They're straying from the truth. The only reason we hesitate to do that, or maybe we refuse to do it completely, to speak the truth and love to others is because of our unbelief. There is a fear. We don't really believe God that that's the best thing. Or maybe we're hoping somebody else will do it. Or something like that. But I believe it's an unbelief. I believe it's a fear. It's a lack of faith in who He is. What He says He will do. And a, and a failure to trust in His heart. That God, You really do know best. If you're sending me to this person, then, then you know what's best. And you hear these terms that it like today like being conflicted and things like that. You know, it's believers not to live that way. Torn between going to this person or not. Either God wants me to go speak to that person the truth, or He does not. And if He does, then I need to, whether I, all the other considerations in my mind, I need to just think, He knows what He's talking about. God knows best. So what am I encouraging us all to do? Get close to Jesus so you can recognize His voice when He speaks to you and wants to use you in another person's life, lost person or a saved person that He wants us to go to. There are too many uh, other considerations. And I think that's, that's the point. If I hesitate to go speak the truth in love, oh, it's going to cost me. It's because I'm putting other considerations above the Lord's, right? I'm thinking about how it's going to affect me. All those considerations, they may be legitimate. They may be real concerns that we have, but they all have to come under that subjection of the authority of the Lord. They all have to in my life and in your life. What if I lose a friend? What if I go to a friend in the Lord because God sent me to them because they're believing a false doctrine and they're straying off in God? What if I go to them and I lose that friend? I'm cut off. You know what I say? What if you do? Can you handle it? For God's sake? It's not what you want. You want them to receive it. God wants them to receive it. But what if you do? So you're going to stop serving God now because you might be rejected by men, even men in the church? All that has to be settled. We have to bring those, those other considerations as real as they are. They're legitimate. 
but, it, but we have to bring them under the subjection of the Lord. What if the meeting doesn't go well? And you're dreading it for months and you know you're going to have to go talk to so-and-so. You know if God's... What if it doesn't go well? And what if it doesn't? A lot of times it does. A lot of times it doesn't. What if it doesn't go well? You're still going to do it? What will the fallout or the consequences be to me, to my family? We think about these things. And they're real thoughts. And we can bring them before the Lord. But when it's all said and done, all those considerations need to be brought under my obedience to Christ. They all have to be put down and given over to the Lord. You know what that is? That's dying to ourselves. That's dying at the foot of the cross and saying, yes, this, this could very well cost me and cost me and my family dearly to go speak the truth in love. And yet, it's like, like Jeremiah, I couldn't forbear. I couldn't not go. Your word was like fire shut up in my bones. I had to go. But the Lord's with me. That's dying, right? That's dying to self. Those other concerns have to be brought under. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we lay Him at the foot of the cross. Jesus said to His disciples, not to a lost world, to His disciples, He that loveth father and mother more than Me is not worthy of Me. He that loveth son or daughter more than Me is not worthy of Me. And he that taketh not up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He's speaking of a disciple, not a convert. Okay? A disciple. Someone who's going to walk with God and follow the Lord. Those other concerns have to be subservient. Or they have to come under. You just have to give them to God. He knows our heart. He knows our frame. He knows it's difficult. But it has to be laid at the foot of the cross. And by His strength, we walk in His strength and His power and His might. And we speak the truth in love. Read with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read 7 through 9, and we'll skip down to verse 12. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Jesus said to the Pharisees and scribes, and This is not every Pharisee and every scribe, this is a bulk of them, the majority of them. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Skip down to verse 12. Then came the disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this? So Jesus is speaking the truth in love, right? He loved those Pharisees. He was going to die on the cross for them. For their sins. He's not willing that any perish. He loved them more than anybody loved them. And yet He's speaking the truth to them. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You're teaching your own commandments as though it's my doctrine. Your worship of Me is in vain. You don't know Me. If you knew My Father, you would know Me. And He rebukes them severely, but yet He's speaking the truth in love to them. And the disciples form of, hey, ho, 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 Jesus, you offended them. Don't you know that they were offended by your words? Think this stopped Jesus from speaking the truth to them? Jesus, that you offended them. Can I tell you that some people are going to be offended? Now, I should not be an offense, and I should not be offensive, okay? I should not be offensive in me and my personality and myself. Getting out of will, God's will. Beating people over the head with the Bible as they walk down the street. You know, and saying I'm doing this in the name of the Lord. I should not be offensive. But 
if people are offended by the truth, they're offended by the truth. That is not my responsibility. If people close to me are offended by the truth and are no longer close to me because of the truth, then I still have the responsibility to speak the truth in love. Jesus didn't say, well, did I offend him? I'm sorry. Let me, can you round it back up? I want to apologize to them. No, he didn't. In verse 14, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, they both are going to fall into a ditch. That's what they are. They can be saved, but they're blind. Okay? And so he speaks this, and ultimately, ultimately it cost the Lord his life. Now we know that was God's plan to lay down his life. But as far as his relations with people and with Israel and so forth, this attitude and these speaking the truth in love ultimately in the hands of men is what cost his his life and his crucifixion and so jesus said you don't have to turn there in john 8 now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth which i have heard of god this did not abraham so because they're, they're specifically wanting to kill jesus he said because i told you the truth you're wanting to kill me there's a lot of people still like that today in the world, right? Don't tell me the truth. Especially the truth, okay? From God's Word. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Some do, praise God. And they're going to embrace it and they're going to be born again and go on with God. But I'm going to move on. Now, the, now, the believer is to speak the truth, back to Ephesians 4, uh, speak the truth how? In love. That's not just a little side note. I think that's key half of this verse. It says how we're to speak the truth. How we're to speak the truth. Speaking the truth in love. Okay? The church is not comprised of robots. We're not just a bunch of soldiers taking orders. We're not mercenaries that have no connection to the people that we're going to speak to. We're to speak the truth in love. A love for God. We're not uninvolved. We're not detached. We're not disengaged from the ones we're going to. Even if it's a complete stranger, God can burden our hearts with His love as we go to them. And if it's people we know, like I said, that have maybe gone astray from the Lord, uh, we're still not detached. We're to speak the truth in love. And it's not just any old love. The world throws that word around and it's so perverted and messed up, it doesn't have any of the meaning that the Bible intends. When he says speaking the truth in love, he's talking about the love of God. It's a sacrificial love. And if we're going to identify with the Lord, we're going to make sacrifices to love. We're going to love and be hated. We're going to love and be rejected. We're going to keep giving the love and we're not going to tire of doing it. We're going to keep giving it out and not getting it as far as from people getting it back in return. I'll say again, Randy, can you handle it? Church, can you handle it? Can we speak the truth in love knowing that my Father loves me? I have a Father. He knows my name. We just sing about it. That my Father loves me. And it is not my love for people. The Bible says in Romans 5, it is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's God's love shed abroad. It means it's big. It's broad. It's being poured out. Where? In our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit. It is a work of God. So when we're talking about speaking the truth in love, that is an important uh, part of it. 
Okay, when we go to speak God's word to someone, in fact, to me, that's one of the greatest expressions of God's love. Now, you think about it for just a second. I know you've heard you maybe you've heard the phrase before. I didn't make it up. How much would you have to hate someone to not tell them about hell? How much would you have to hate somebody to not tell them about hell? Say an unbeliever. They're just bebopping through life, going along, and I know them, and I'm with them the whole time, and I know Christ, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die, and I know they're going to hell when they die. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them the truth is the point. So you could reverse that and say the love of God shed abroad in our hearts is going to compel us. Right? It's going to compel us to tell the truth. His word is like fire shut up in our bones. Okay? Here's the deal. We go to people that are lost. We may be accepted. We may be rejected. We go to people in the church that need uh, counsel or godly counsel or they're, they're starting to be deceived or walk off into something that's false. And we say, we go to them and we say, here's what your pastor said, but here's what the Bible said says. That's how you do it. I'm compacting that. You're going to pray. You're going to be, you know, uh, as God leads lead you gentle and so forth. But the point is, here's what that man or that woman just said in that Sunday school lesson. But here's what God's Word says. It's not the same thing. I'm going to a brother or sister in Christ. Here's what God's Word says. This is, um, this is how the people in that church live out their Christianity. But God's Word says very clearly, we're to abstain from all appearance of evil. This is in contrast to how these believers over here live. And so we go and we speak the truth to them in love. This is who your pastor put in a position of leadership up on the platform to minister to preach to others. But here's what God's Word says ought to be the test or the standard for putting someone up in ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about speaking the truth in love and because God burdens our hearts to do it, it's our responsibility and here's how your pastor or your church counseled you and your family in this marital problem or in this family crisis or whatever. whatever. But that wasn't right. Here's what God's Word says is clearly the counsel for that situation. You understand what I'm saying? And so we speak the truth in love. Here's what that speaker at that conference said about God and about Jesus. But here's what God's Word says about God and about Jesus. It matters, okay? It matters. And our obedience to the Lord in this thing is essential. It's essential to our health, our spiritual health, our spiritual man. Not necessarily our salvation, but to our spiritual growth and well-being. And how am I going to walk out my Christian life? Am I going to be a sick, a sick Christian, basically, that's weak and tossed, a child tossed to and fro? Or am I going to be strong and being strengthened day by day? It was one or the other. We never hit a, a flat line. And if you're here today and you say, I've just kind of, kind of leveled out on my Christianity, you probably haven't. You're probably going backwards. We're pressing on and taking new ground in Christ or we're sliding back. And so this speaking the truth in love, the Lord says that we grow up in this full stature of Christ. Grow up. Okay? And so it's, it's also important to His body. 
you individually and me as believers, but also to the body of Christ. It's important that we, I'm speaking the truth to you in love right now. You understand what I'm saying? We communicate with each other. We pray with each other back and forth that husbands and wives, parents and children, speaking the truth in love to each other. As a pattern, it's important to the Lord's body. I'm going to read this. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, 1 Timothy 4, 13 and 16. Till I come, give attendance. That means hold to mind, pay attention. Hold oneself up to, adhere to, beware. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, with, by the, which was given by the prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that they prop, thy property may appear to all. Listen, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That means there's going to be people. I'm walking in sound doctrine. I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking on it. But part of my Christianity is also to speak that truth in love. That you don't have to be a pastor. Most people are not. Okay? Speak the truth in love to others. By doing so, I'm going to help preserve myself in the faith and those that hear me. It's important. Okay? It's important that, that we do this. And so, uh, you and I have to look at this as a need and not just a luxury. Not just, well, if I get around to it, I know God's put on my heart for the last six months to go talk to so-and-so, and I keep putting it off. You know, just think about something else. Maybe one day, and maybe somebody else will do it, or we just kick the can down the road. But we need to see this is not a luxury. This is, this is part of our calling in Christ. It's, it's needed in the body. I'm going to recap a few of these things, and we're going to bring this to a close, but th th we've studied... And uh, which one is this? This is number eight. This is our eighth sermon pretty much on this topic of deception. It's a series. We've looked at this, the nature of deception, what it's all about. We've looked at its origin. Where does it come from? Ultimately, seducing spirits and doctors of devils. It comes from Satan, the liar, the father of lies. We've looked at its power. We've looked at its seriousness. And in other words, its consequences. We've looked at how does it become effective. And the only way any deception has any effect on your life or my life is if I give heed to it. If I give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, then I've given place to it and it has already an influence upon my heart and upon my life. We've looked in the last couple of weeks about how believers are to try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world whereby we know it's the end times. We test by God's standard, which is His Word. Right? We use the Word of God. Not what Pastor so-and-so said. It's not what my Sunday school teacher said. It's what the Word of God says. And we, we test everything. And our own, starting with ourselves. Start testing with your own heart and life. Okay? And we test everything by the unchanging Word of God. And... We even talked last week about how at times it's, it's the responsibility of believers to mark and avoid. At times, okay? To mark and avoid them that cause divisions and offenses. Offenses was occasions to stumble or sin. Contrary to sound doctrine. 
there are times that we're called to do that. And here today, we're, we're closing this series with how God's people are instructed to speak the truth in love. The truth is going to be the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. The truth is going to be not my opinion of truth, but the truth. It's going to be the rightly divided Word of God, led by the Holy Ghost, taught by the Holy Spirit. When we, we first person I need to speak the truth in love to is me. Now that's important. The first person you need to counsel from the Word of God is yourself. Before you go to your spouse to fix the rough edges that they have and all their problems, before you go to your children, before you go to lost men, before we ought to spend our time every man examining his own heart. Start counseling yourself through the Word of God. That's the first, okay? We speak the truth in love to ourselves. We speak the truth in love to others. We speak it to those who will accept it. We speak it to those who will reject it. We speak it to those who will reject us. And yet we do it. We do it. It's a calling and we're enabled and empowered by the Lord to do it. And the same as in our study last week. I want to make some similarities and we're closing with this thought. Last week we talked about Marking and, and avoiding. Both certain within the Christianity, within our circles, that cause divisions and, and uh, offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've heard. But even in that, you have to be wise. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not, uh, it's not our responsibility to speak the truth in love, to just hunt down everybody that's ever preached something false and I have to make an appointment with them. Somebody I don't even know. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Just all over the place. We don't see that as a pattern in Jesus. He, wherever He went, He spoke the truth in love. Paul said wherever He went, He didn't shut, you know, he didn't fail to declare the whole counsel of God wherever He went. He was free and innocent from the blood of all men. Does that mean every single human being on the planet He was free from? No. Everyone that God brought into His life Everyone that the Holy Ghost led him to speak to. Every town the Lord led him to go to. Every synagogue the Lord led him to go into. Everyone that God had him to share the Gospel with or to counsel, he, he did what God called him to do. I'm innocent. You know, I'm washing my hands. If they don't go with Christ and they don't accept Christ, that's on them. Okay? And I think that's the attitude we have to have even in speaking the truth in love. There are times... And I know that there are people that are watchmen. There are people that God would use in this way more than others. I think a pastor is a watchman, right? Watchman on the wall, a shepherd of the sheep. So obviously that pastor would probably do more of this than everybody. But at the same time, every believer is called at times, and we have to know from the Lord, is called at times to go speak the truth in love. We are. And we have to weigh all the costs in the balance. I want to close with this scripture, so I want you to turn with me. Last scripture we're going to read together is from Galatians. I wish I had time to go back and talk about Paul and him rebuking Peter to the face. I've preached on that and I probably will again. But for today, I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Because I'm trying to put this whole speaking the truth in love to some guidelines that go along with it. And the, God, the Bible can guide itself and give us more guidelines to follow. So here's what it says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, 
So speaking of Christians, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, consider in thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He's talking about one brother going to another brother, but at this time of their life, they need somebody to come to them. And say so they want somebody to come to them. But when it says, brothers, if a man, so he's speaking to Christian brothers within the context of the body of Christ. If a man be overtaken, that means found out. Somebody's detected, they're found out in a fault. Fault means a moral fall, okay, or sin. A moral fall from truth or grace when they should have stood upright. That's actually what the definition said. So they're overtaken in a fault. They're found out in a moral fall in their lives when they should have stood upright and they fell. They fell into pornography. They fell into lying. They fell into, uh, you know, gossiping behind people's back for personal gain. They fell into something that's a sin. And they should have stood upright. Well, we all should stand upright, amen? We've fallen before too and committed sins. We don't have to stay down. But we fall. And it says, Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual. That simply means non-carnal. And this does not mean perfect. It, it does mean mature or stable. So you that are spiritual. Who is to carry this out? You that are spiritual, go to such a one and restore them. So I find a brother that's a Christian brother. They really are saved. And they've walked off into some kind of sin. Maybe they're not in church anymore. Maybe they're, they're heading that way and they're partly down this road. Wherever they are. But it's something that's clear. And God revealed it to me. Maybe it's my roommate. You know what I'm saying? It's maybe somebody I know, clearly. Or maybe it's someone He revealed to me. He says, you that are spiritual. So that's important. Because it simply means you're not carnal. You're, you yourself are mature. It does not mean perfect. If we had to be perfect, nobody could ever talk to anybody. We'd never speak the truth and love to anybody because we would wait till we are perfect. And we're not. But you that are spiritual go to such a one. You have to be consistent. You need to be consistent in your walk with the Lord and your, your knowledge of the Word and go to that person as God directs you. Okay? But we're living... And it says here to consider yourselves lest you be tempted at the end of that verse. In other words, you better think about yourself. And as I said, first we speak the truth and love to ourselves. Consider yourself that you're not haughty, that you're not lifted up. We get the beam out of our own eye first. It doesn't say never judge. It says first get the beam out of your eye. Now I can see clearly to go to my brother and help them remove the speck out of their eye. Nothing to do with sinless perfection. Everything to do with this. Whatever God has shown me is wrong in my life, I did get that right first. Now I'm going to the person because He showed me there's something wrong in their life. I'm not going to blast them. I'm not going to humiliate them. I'm not going to shoot them out of the water. I want them to be restored. It says restore such a one. It means brought back. To who? Not to me necessarily, to Christ. They're back with Christ. They'll be right with me. Okay, and so um, this is just important, and I'm closing with this. I know we're living in the last days, and and we're living in a time as the church, bought by the blood of Jesus, that's characterized by deception. It's characterized by deception. It's characterized by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It's characterized by time when people are falling away. That's what the word apostasy means: falling away from the truth. 
Paul says some will depart from the faith. Some will depart from the faith in these last days. Okay, we're living in that time. We're living in a time when men will not endure sound doctrine anymore. Last thing that Paul wrote on this planet before he was martyred for the Lord. The last chapter. He said there's going to come a time when men will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure it. Okay, are we living in that time? Yes. People in churches that don't want sound doctrine. They would throw me out if I preached this in a lot of churches. I would not have got through 10 minutes or if you preached it. And there are people that won't endure sound doctrine. And so this is the time which we're living. But our God has called and equipped us to be believers on the planet right now. And part of that calling is to speak the truth in love. We are to live holy and separated unto God. We're to live boldly, not obnoxious, not offensive in ourselves, like I said, but a boldness about us. You can be quiet and meek and still bold. You know that? You can be quiet in your personality and not causing a big stir where you go through your personality and still be bold and have a holy power and courage about you and a boldness. It comes from the Holy Spirit. We're to live for God privately and we're to live publicly. And not to be hypocrites in this day. We're not to live in fear that we're going to wake up tomorrow and be deceived. I think I've stressed that since the first on this series. I don't, I don't live in fear that I'm going to be deceived. I stay close to Jesus. Okay? And I continue in sound doctrine and I won't be deceived. We're to abide in Christ. And the Bible says if we abide in Him, His Word abides in us. If you abide in Me, Jesus said, and My words abide in you. You'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So it's an abiding. We're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to proclaim this truth in love. And D, you can come, but I just want to read uh, a couple of verses here while she's coming. Brethren, James says at the end of that epistle, he's speaking to the church, if any of you do err from the truth, so Christian brother, if any of you do err from the truth, it's a direction, right? And one convert you. It doesn't mean save. It means to come again, to turn again, to revert back to. So you got a believer that is a believer and they're turning from the truth and God uses you or me to turn them back to the truth. Okay? Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so I wanted to close this whole series on deception and truth and how we know the difference in what we're supposed to do with that Scripture and that passage about we need to understand. Don't be unwise, but we be wise. Understanding the times. We're in a spiritual time. I'm not living the day before the flood. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not living the day before the cross. I'm living in this day. I'm living this day, and this day is characterized by people uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Men not wanting sound truth. They say, Lord, Lord, but they don't know Him. They, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And, and we're living in the midst of that. We're living the sheep in the midst of wolves. But the Lord says, I'm with you. We need to be wise. We need to understand. And I, one thing I would tell you to do in every sermon, press into Jesus. The answer is going to be, not to heresy hunt every false thing. The answer is going, and sometimes we have to for, for different reasons, but the, 
to press into the Lord, to get to know your Lord and Savior, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. These altars are open. Father, we just come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, if there's any here that don't know You, that want to give their life to Christ, I pray this morning that they would come and fall and, and surrender to Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. And those that are here today that know You, God, from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest convert to the oldest saint, God, that we would, we would press in, that we would die at the foot of the cross to ourselves and, and obey You in this, this command to speak the truth in love. That Your heart would be our heart, Your will would be our will. That we would obey You in this thing for, for Your glory, for Your sake, for Your church body, for our own sakes, God, is how we grow up by speaking the truth in love, God. Pray for this church that we wouldn't be children tossed to and fro with everyone in doctrine. We love you today, God. We thank you for protecting us. We thank you for keeping us. You know, these altars are open if you just want to come and meet with the Lord. If you want me to pray with you about something, please let me know. I'll be happy to pray with you as well. Thank you, Jesus.